Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. An elderly man once asked a young man, what are you going to do with your life? The young man replied, I'm going to go to college and get a business degree. The old man said, well, what then? Oh, then I'm going to go up to New York and I'm going to work on Wall Street, become a broker and hopefully become a millionaire. And what then? The old man asked. The young man continued, then I'm going to buy myself a fine house. I may try to retire early so I can enjoy the good life. The old man asked, what then? Well, then after that, I'm just going to golf, relax and enjoy my grandkids. The old man said, all right, what then? The young man replied, I guess after that, I'm going to die. The old man smiled and looked the young man in the eyes and said, and what then? It's okay to make plans for our lives, but we should not neglect to make plans for eternity. One day, all of us will be in eternity. To live only for the temporal is not wise. We need to live for the Lord and for the eternal. In doing so, we'll never regret it. God promises eternal rewards and reigning positions for those who faithfully live for Him, serve Him, and stand for the truth of His Word. We see this in both programs of God, with the nation of Israel and with the church, the body of Christ. Jeff Gorsuch writes, The question to ask at the end of life's race is not so much what have I accomplished, But whom have I loved, and how courageously? We should love our families and those closest to us courageously. And the church is called to love the Lord courageously and to live for Him. In this scene from the final act, we see a group of people who loved the Lord courageously, even unto death. Revelation 20, verse 4 says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The Apostle John says, And I saw four times in Revelation chapter 20. He was an eyewitness of these future end-time scenes and events. In verses 1 through 3, John saw the angel come down from heaven and seize Satan, cast him into the bottomless pit, and bind him there for a thousand years. Here in verse 4, John saw thrones and those who sat upon them. Scripture teaches that Jesus Christ will reign over the earth from his throne in Jerusalem during the millennial kingdom. Revelation 20 verse 4 shows that Christ will not reign alone. The thrones are seats of authority, judicial and regal. The word thrones is plural. There are an undefined number of them. In the vision, John sees an array of thrones, and then as he is watching, they sat upon them. As you, con- as you continue reading the verse, you learn who the they is. It's the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God 
and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. So that teaches us that the they is the martyred believers of the second half of the tribulation period. Only in the second three and a half years of the tribulation will people be required to take the mark of the beast or the worship the idol, which is the image of the beast set up in the temple in Jerusalem. These saints will refuse to do so because they trusted Christ and the word of God and they will be killed for their faith. As a result of their faithful witness and stand for Christ, being faithful even unto death, these saints are given a special place of honor and authority by Christ in the millennial kingdom. They will not follow the world or its majority. When the majority of the world will be swept up in a cultic and popular worship of the beast and his idol, willingly taking the mark of the beast on their foreheads and right hands, these followers of Jesus Christ will refuse. They will refuse to go along with the majority. They will perceive the Antichrist for the liar and the fake that he is. Their faith will be in Jesus Christ as the true Messiah of Israel, and they will stand for him and give their lives out of their conviction of their faith in Christ. And their example is a challenge for us, the church, the body of Christ, how we too need to be true to Christ and to the Word of God and to not follow the powerful influence and course of this world. Those who withstand the Antichrist and refuse to receive the mark of the beast in the future tribulation will be the special objects of his indignation. Through the power of Satan, it will be given unto him, that is the Antichrist, to make war with the saints and to overcome them, Revelation 13.7 says. It will be law and worldwide decree that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Those who refuse to worship the beast and receive his mark will be relentlessly hunted, and if they are caught, they will be immediately executed. In that day, many will be beheaded, which literally means cut off with an axe. They will be beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. Unlike any other period in human history, the coming tribulation will be characterized by beheadings too numerous to fathom. These future martyrs will be beheaded for two reasons. First, because of their witness and stand for Jesus Christ and God's word. And second, because they refuse to worship the beast or to take his mark. As a result of their stand for him and willingness to die for his name, the Lord gives these martyrs thrones and seats of authority in his millennial kingdom. They were the special object of Satan's hatred, but forever they will be the special object of Christ's love when they are rewarded, exalted, and blessed by Him, and given positions of exaltation with Christ. They died for Christ, but verse 4 shows that they live. Verse 4 says, And they lived with Christ a thousand years. Their bodies will be raised, and they will receive resurrected, glorified body, bodies at the first resurrection of prophecy. As the Lord said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. These martyrs will die for the witness or testimony of Jesus. One chapter earlier, Revelation 19 adds to this statement. The testimony or witness, it's the same Greek word as in Revelation 24. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The focus and purpose of prophecy points to the person of Jesus Christ. These martyrs are future believers who will die for the witness of Jesus as revealed in the prophetic scriptures, which declare that he is the Messiah and King of Israel. According to the gospel of the kingdom, their faith in Jesus of Nazareth as the true Messiah is what will save their souls in that day, along with the confession of their sins and water baptism. Their faith in Jesus Christ, according to prophecy, that he is the Messiah of Israel and the Son of God, is what these martyrs will die for. Today, the ministry of Jesus Christ is according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Today, faith in Christ, that he died for our sins and rose again, is what saves our souls today. This is the gospel of the grace of God. For believers in the body of Christ, 2 Timothy 2.12 tells us, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. There will be an exalted reigning position for those who suffer and even die for Christ under grace, but there in our reigning position for all eternity is in the heavenlies. People who die for their faith today will not be of this number in Revelation 20, verse 4, who are given thrones in the millennial kingdom on the earth. This is a reference to martyred believers following the rapture of the church. In Revelation 1, verse 6, John states that Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. A king sits on a throne, and these martyrs sitting on thrones show that they will have regal authority. They will be shown the privilege of a king and have the power and supremacy of one in the kingdom. At the same time, they will, of course, be under the authority and willingly serve the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, as John saw the tribulation martyrs sit on these thrones, verse 4 says, judgment was given unto them. A judge is one who makes a judgment. Authority to act as rulers and judges will be assigned to these martyrs. The judges from Israel's past were distinguished people of valor. Gideon and Samson, for example. Likewise, these judges will be as well. The martyrs will have demonstrated their valor and honor during the tribulation period. The first part of Revelation 20 verse 5 says, But the rest of the dead live not again, until the thousand years were finished. John adds a parenthetical footnote about the rest of the dead, or the unbelieving dead of all ages. This scripture shows that there is a 1,000-year interval between resurrections. The first resurrection of prophecy, verse 6, takes place at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, and the resurrection of damnation takes place after its completion 1,000 years later for the great white throne. The phrase, the rest of the dead, is made in light of the martyrs of the tribulation. 
the beheaded martyrs who died are raised and will live and reign with Christ a thousand years, but in distinction from them, the rest of the dead won't be raised until the thousand-year kingdom is finished. The martyrs will be raised from the dead prior to the kingdom and for the kingdom. And because of their great faith in Christ and God's word, they will be honored with thrones and authority and glory. They will live and they will reign. In stark contrast to that, and sadly, because they did not believe and trust God's provision of salvation for them, the rest of the dead must continue to sit in Hades in torment for a thousand years. And they will never, ever live and reign with Christ. They will be raised after those thousand years only to be fit with bodies uh, to be able to endure the torments of the lake of fire forever separated from the presence of Christ. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Revelation, Volume 2, is a hardcover, 228-page commentary written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler and covers Revelation 7-1 through 13-18. In this volume, we enter into an analysis of the midpart of the Tribulation, called the Great Tribulation. The author's research left him with a heavy heart for those who will be left behind after the rapture of the church. May we all have more of a burden for the lost to bring them to Christ before it is too late. There are also numerous practical applications throughout the writing to help you live a more productive life for Christ. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.BereanBibleSociety.org. To receive our free, full-color, 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750, or subscribe online at www.BereanBibleSociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. The rest of Revelation 20, verse 5, and the first part of verse 6 reads, This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Job asked the age-old question, If a man die, shall he live again? And the answer is yes. God has given us his word on the matter. And Job 19.25-26 tells us, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. The Greek word anastasis, translated as resurrection, simply means to stand up. Someday these old bodies that are lying in their resting place will stand up at God's command. Some will stand up and be raised to everlasting life. Some will stand up and be raised to everlasting condemnation. A guy was sitting at home when he heard a knock at the door. He opened the door and saw a snail on the porch. He picked up the snail and he threw it as far as he could. 
three years later, there's another knock on his door. The guy opened it, and he saw the same snail. The snail looked at him and said, what in the world was that all about? John refers here to the first resurrection. But there will have already been a resurrection seven years earlier at the rapture. So you might wonder, what in the world is that all about? Rightly dividing the word makes everything fall into place, however. We must be careful not to confuse the secret resurrection for the body of Christ with the first resurrection for of prophecy, as is often done. The secret resurrection at the rapture is the hope of the church, the body of Christ. This is uniquely a Pauline truth. If you would lift Paul's epistles, the special revelation committed to the Apostle Paul by Christ, if you would lift those epistles out of the Word of God, all other references to the future resurrections pertain to the prophetic order. When verses 5 and 6 speak of the first resurrection, it must be understood as the first resurrection of prophecy. Seven years prior to this resurrection, the resurrection of the body of Christ will have already taken place at the rapture prior to the tribulation period. Speaking of the rapture, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15.51, Behold, I show you a mystery. The resurrection of the body of Christ was a mystery, meaning that it was a secret never revealed before the Apostle Paul, and it is not found anywhere within the prophetic scriptures. John is strictly speaking of the resurrection in terms of prophecy and the timeline of events of prophecy for Israel, and that is what makes it the first resurrection. Israel was promised resurrection in the last day prior to the kingdom. And Ezekiel 37 says this, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, that is Israel, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. John reveals in Revelation 20, verses 4 to 6, that there will be 1,000 years that separate the first resurrection and the second resurrection of prophecy. The first resurrection takes place prior to the millennial kingdom, and the second resurrection takes place following it. Only the prophetic saints will be raised in the first resurrection at the beginning of the millennial kingdom to be ushered into the blessings of the kingdom. At the rapture, only members of the body of Christ within the dispensation of grace are raised at that glorious day and ushered to heaven. The first resurrection is the resurrection of all prophetic saints before the dispensation of grace and the resurrection of all the martyred tribulation saints after the dispensation of grace. These prophetic saints will all be raised from the dead by the Lord after His second coming to Israel and prior to the Millennial Kingdom. The souls of these saints will have come back to the earth with Christ at His second coming. Jude 14 reads, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints." After Christ returned to Israel at His second coming, the bodies of all these saints will be raised and glorified and joined to their spirits and souls. 
Peter, James, John, David, Solomon, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Esther, Mordecai, Ruth, and all the prophetic saints. Their bodies will be raised from the dead, gloriously changed, and in their new glorified resurrected body, they will walk right into the earthly kingdom reign of Christ. And the Lord taught in his earthly ministry, that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The resurrected bodies of these saints will be like Christ's resurrected body. 1 John 3, 2 speaks of this when he wrote, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We know that when he shall appear, that is at the second coming, we shall be like him. The prophetic saints who are raised at the first resurrection will never die again. Daniel 12.2 says their bodies will awake to everlasting life. John further states here in verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Those who take part in the first resurrection are truly blessed. They have a wonderful hope to reign with Christ on earth a thousand years and for all eternity. And the people who are raised at the first resurrection are blessed because on them the second death hath no power. Revelation 21 and verse 8 defines the second death as the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Those who take part in the first resurrection have the eternal comfort of never being separated from God, never facing the wrath of God. The second death of the lake of fire has no power, no authority over those raised by Christ to enter His kingdom. They will live forever. They will enjoy the eternal presence of God on the earth. The same is true for the church, the body of Christ. The second death has no power on us who are raised by Christ at the rapture. However, for us, we will enjoy the eternal presence of God in heaven. The last half of Revelation 20, verse 6 reads, But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with Him a thousand years. We have looked at the thrones and positions of authority within the divine government of the kingdom. Israel being called priests of God reminds them of their spiritual responsibilities in the kingdom as well. Those who are partakers of the first resurrection are promised to rule and reign with Christ as kings and priests of God. In their resurrected bodies, the prophetic saints will be holy, that is, set apart from sin, set apart unto God, to serve Him as priests of God and of Christ within the kingdom. Verse 6 speaks of Israel being both holy and priests. And those two terms take you right back the corridor of time to Mount Sinai and the giving of the law for Israel. There Moses was instructed by the Lord to tell Israel, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Within the kingdom on earth, this promise will be fully realized. Israel will be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. 
Isaiah reminded his countrymen Israel of their calling as priests within the kingdom. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. Peter did the same. And he told his countrymen, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. The body of Christ is never called priests or a priesthood. And in rightly dividing, we should be careful to never confuse the two programs of God in doing so. Being priests of God, a holy nation, those terms are reserved for Israel. Israel will do the job of a priest within the millennial kingdom throughout the world. And being a kingdom of priests, Israel will lead the nations in the worship of God throughout all the earth, according to the new covenant in the law. Israel, as God's priests in the kingdom, will teach the law and be messengers of God's truth around the world. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge. And they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Israel will be intercessors between God and the nations, being a light for the Lord and leading people to him. Thus saith the Lord, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Revelation 20, verse 6, spells out Israel's hope so clearly. Bodily resurrection, everlasting life, reigning with Christ when thousand years on the earth, priests of God, all of that is the great hope of Israel. It's in the epistles of Paul that we find our hope, our great hope spelled out. And it teaches that we too have the hope of a bodily resurrection at the rapture everlasting life. But we will reign with Christ not on the earth, but in the heavenlies. And we serve him not as priests of God, but as ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador represents his government in all of its character and all of its dignity. An ambassador is a minister of state representing his own country in a foreign land. As ambassadors, this teaches that this world is a foreign land, and that our home is in heaven. As ambassadors, we are called to be spokesmen for Christ. We are His mouthpieces. And as God's ambassadors, we do what 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We beg people to be reconciled to God in light of what will happen if they are not reconciled to God, which is the second death, eternity and torment in the lake of fire separated from the presence of God forever. And that's a reminder for us of the need for us to be faithful to our calling as ambassadors for Christ. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.